Good evening and welcome to Roarholics Anonymous. Uh, this is Uncle Ted and I'm here with uh, Impossible Lomas. What up? Uh, how are you doing, Impossible Anonymous? I heard there's been some concern over in the in the Shear family. Yeah, well, um, we we can't find Dino. We don't know. Um, we don't we don't know where he is. Well, um, it's I've I've good news and bad news for yeah. you. Uh, are you are you sitting down? Uh, yeah. Um. Yes, I am. All right. This uh this came across the AP wire this okay. morning. Uh. A 47-year-old West Bloomfield man was arrested after an altercation with a motorist from Sterling Heights early Monday morning. The episode took place at the northeast corner of Woodward and Eight Mile, where the man, Dino Blandino, was seen holding a large sign that read, Will work for a playoff victory. According to 32-year-old Jessica Fielder, who was on her way home from her night shift, at a nearby CVS, Blandino approached her vehicle after she came to a stop at a red light and lowered her window. Blandino's face was mostly covered by the type of black bandana-like mask some favor, including Matt Patricia, the Lions head coach. Fielder told Blandino that her lawn was in fact in need of mowing and she would be happy to pay him. Quote, money don't help none. 188 million in salary cap ain't enough, Blandino told her, according to a statement she gave to police. Quote, I'm sorry, but I don't have any playoff victories, Fielder told a clearly unstable Blandino, who turned back toward the curb, revealing to the motorist that he was, in fact, beside the mask and sign, completely naked. Just then, Carl Donovan, an off-duty officer from the Ferndale Police, arrived on the scene and attempted to perform a citizen's arrest. The officer, a longtime Lions season ticket owner, attempted to tackle Blandino, who eluded these efforts and screamed that he was, quote, channeling the spirit of Barry Sanders, bitches. Eventually, three members of the Detroit police force, none of whom follow the Lions, managed to capture Blandino, who, unable to pay bail, remains in custody at the Wayne County Correctional Facility. Blandino says this is cool with him, since the TV in the rec room has, quote, a sick cable package, and he can't wait until Sunday when, quote, the roar are going to wail on the weak-ass Jags. So I, I called over to Wayne County, uh, and apparently Dino, uh, he didn't bother with his one call to, uh, to uh-huh. a lawyer, to family, I, yeah. but we were able to use oh that in God. order to um, get him on their local Zoom over there. So, really? so I, I think if you... I think you know he's what? coming now in his, in his orange Honolulu I, blue jumpsuit. You know what? I, I just want to say I'm not surprised. I'm not it's, surprised. It's, it was really only coming. a matter of time. It was inevitable. It really was. I mean, when, yeah. you, when, you, when you're that high, yeah. all, it's a long way. Listen, down. it's part of the program that, as we all know, we've all been there. You got to hit that rock bottom. Yeah. You hit that rock bottom and, you know, you come face to face with some stark choices about who you are, who you want to be as a person. <clears throat> and, you know, I think, I, I hope Blandino's, you know, maybe he's there. Maybe he's there. So oh. you, the listeners can't see this, but Blandino just unzipped his jumpsuit and in memento style, he has gotten kind of a joint in, in-house tattoo. He has the serenity prayer on his chest and he's yeah. standing opposite a mirror 
and I think he's going to read it. I, it's hard to see if the words have changed. You know, I got, um, thanks. Thanks, man. I appreciate, uh, you guys having me back. It's been, uh, I don't remember a lot from the past week. Um, last thing I really remember was, uh, you know, lion's victory. Everything was feeling real, real good. And then, uh, you know, um, this Sunday, bad things happened, uh, just came crashing down real hard. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm doing my time. I got tattooed in prison. Um, the serenity prayer. It's, it actually, I realize now it's backwards, but, um, so looking into a mirror, I can read it though, which is good. Right. You want to, would you like to, to read it to us? Yeah. Um, will that, will that make you feel better a little better? Yeah, I think um, I'm just going to go ahead and say that last time um, claiming last week that I didn't need the serenity prayer was uh, probably a little premature. Well, I mean, let me ask you, do you feel that you've hit rock bottom? Uh, I mean, I would have liked to think that rock bottom was the 0-16 season, but, uh, you know, this was a good lesson for me because after 11 straight losses, all it took was one win for me to go just flying sky high right again. Well, um, and it uh, felt so damn good. I'm not going to lie. I, I, I just want to. Like a true roarholic, it felt great. But being back in the loss column is just a lot to deal you, with after you, that. Listen, listen, brother. You've come crashing down, and we have our hands out to pick you up off the turf. Well, if but I, I just want to make clear to our listeners that this is now Blandino's 13th time in rehab yep. within the it past is. four years. They're like, so, he got there, and they're like, your room is ready, sir. Yeah. I'm kind of a fixture in the uh, Roraholics rehab. Facility. You're kind of like the mayor. Of, at this point, the kind mayor. of like you know, like the it's local true. mayor. You know, it's, it's kind a, of a revolving door down there. But uh, a lot of guys were back in after this win. But um, you know, we're doing we're doing our best. We're, we got to take it one step at a time. And I'm gonna work those steps. I'm gonna lead the way with the serenity prayer. May the ghost of Bobby Lane, dear Bobby Lane, grant me the serenity to accept the things about being a Lions fan. I cannot change. Dear Lord Bobby Lane, the courage to change the things about being a Lions fan that I can, and the wisdom to know, good Lord Bobby Lane, that the Lions will always suck. Amen. That was Amen. heartfelt. Yeah, that was hard. I needed it. I needed even, it, gentlemen. I feel Dino's like even Dino's even developed kind of like a Western twang. A little bit in his speech. Ah, uh, I'm just, you know, I need I need to reach deep. Yeah. And and I feel like I was just going through the motions of the serenity prayer and being a roaraholic, and I've got to rededicate myself. Well, so listen, I th- that's kind of think... what this week is all about, is listen. really taking into my heart the last words of the serenity prayer that to know that the lions will always suck. I think I may have forgotten that a little bit. And that's a dangerous place to go. So, Blandino, I think that uh, part of your treatment, and we're going to talk with the doctors about it, but it's going to be 
listening to the last podcast mm. and asking yourself, you know, who, who is that? Is that me? Is that know. who I want to be? I think you got it. You have to be willing to confront it. I don't really you know, remember your own voice. Last podcast. Well, you blacked out. You blacked out, man. That's like a dream to me now. It's like, a, you know. Well, you know, you had a blackout episode. Once again. <sighs> Dino's going to have to listen to it a kind of akin to that clockwork orange sequence where the guy's eyes are pried open, yeah. but, but this is his ears are pried open and they're kind of drop, you know, drop little droplets are going into it. I mean, I just, just want to say to all to the Roraholics yes. here on the podcast and, and our listener, that's not me. That's not the real Dino you heard last week. Um, I mean, it is, but <laughs> it's not the Dino that I thought I was becoming. And yeah, that was the victory talking. <laughs> was that was just the victory talking last? Oh man, week. he you mainlined that victory, brother. God, yeah. I mean, you know, when you get a little hit of pure Honolulu blue running through your veins, just a little injection, <sighs> that wow. thing is takes you takes hey. you to the mountaintop. Hey. hey, brother, we all know that man. That's what's oh. so tough about it, because as we all know, when you're on it, it is a incredible i mean it is amazing it's you know it's just like honestly the best thing i've ever felt in my life you know that's hard to resist let's be honest yeah and there's and and dino just know there's no judgment from for me or impossible it's but for the grace of lomas that we're changing places (laughs) i mean we don't have to go past you know the 2013 season when i was uh i was in shackles for for the back half of the season Right. So I, you know, well, I pass no judgment on you. So, so Dino, just a question, you know, as you know, you sort of, di- I mean, you disappeared, you fell off the grid and I'm thank God. Thank, thank Lomas that you're safe and sound and you seem to be in a pretty good place, but man, the family has been trying to reach you for like the past four uh, and a half days. Where have you been? What's been going on? I don't know, man. Um, honestly, since uh what day is it now it's monday this is is monday jesus christ well i mean obviously last week i was flying pretty damn high like a you know like a hawk up there in the sky um just a uh eagle soaring above the clouds and then uh you were up there and then i guess it's only yesterday although it feels sort of like you know at least a week since then but after that loss, I just came crashing down so hard. And I suddenly kind of remembered that I have a family and I have, you know, sort of like responsibilities back here on the ground. And uh, I can't really attest to my whereabouts for that week of that victory week. But I can just say it's been pretty ugly since then. Just a lot of pre of post loss nausea, vomiting. Um, it's just, wow. you know, a lot was, of cheaters, a lot of waking up in the, uh, with a cold sweat. It's wow. just, you know, it's good in a way that it's like back to normal, but it's hard, man. When you're well, dude, is, flying, is, riding high after a victory, coming back to the normal sort of, you know, normalcy of losing is, uh, you know, it's a jolt to the system, but, so, uh, you know, my family is. I'm working my way back you? into my kids and my wife's graces and, uh, you know, you got to do that uh, work tattoo removal specialist and we'll see what happens. 
Well, so, uh, you know, I've, I've been talking to some, of, some authorities and officials in the Metro Detroit area, and we're starting to patch together some surveillance camera footage. Um, and uh, it appears that at around the 10-minute mark of the first quarter in yesterday's game, when the Lions were not only coming off a victory, yeah, but after that. a 15-yard pass from Stafford to Galladay, we're up 14 nothing. Yeah. yeah. On New Orleans, there's footage, and this is in and around where the old Tally Hall used to be, right. of Dino's mm-hmm. somehow ziplining <laughs> from the roof of Anita's kitchen down to like that where that used to be the gap over there. Um, yeah, and there's like somehow there's some sort of flaming situation going on. And, and the barbecue my, thing? That what's that? What do you mean? I mean, there's some, it, it may be something on fire in his underwear. It's not totally oh, oh, clear oh. what was happening, <laughs> but he's, and the audio is very patchy, but he is, it's somewhere between kind of just yodeling and some sort of rebel yell kind of thing. Cause the lions are up 14, nothing with five if games, only five minutes over. He's trying, you know, against any of his abilities to do the math and figure out what the final score is going to be based on 14 points after five minutes. And right. then there's, there's just blackness. And then he resurfaces. And this is now, you know, a, a couple minutes into the third quarter. New Orleans has reeled off five straight touchdown possessions. It's 35 to 14. And, and you just see Dino clawing at his chest. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, it's bad. And then he disappeared until yesterday morning. Uh, um, but I think that was the beginning. I think that turn, that 35 to nothing run over about 12 mm. minutes of football time. Yeah. That was too much. I, um, well, I, I should just add, just to add a little bit to the kind of how to help piece the story together. Um, I did receive a text at about uh, 2.30 a.m. last night, evidently from Dino. It sort of got buried in a chain. And it was... Um, a series of emojis really that I'm still trying to completely decipher. Um, I don't want to say that they were literally satanic, but there was a kind of, there was sort of that undertone to the series of, of pictograms. And uh, you know, I, I texted you back, but that was the last I heard. Well, I think what, likely happened although i can only speculate as to my state of mind after a 14 nothing lead within four minutes and a half minutes of the game um i think i think that i believe that the messianic era had been ushered in Mm. and so clothing was no longer necessary and that's why i was starting to parade down orchard lake and figuring i would just head straight towards marvelous Marvin's where I figured, you know, we would welcome the Messiah himself at a natural, uh, natural sort of destination spot. Wow. And that the parade down to Ford field would begin. And, um, I'm gonna say that, yeah, once again, um, I may have been a little premature in believing that our lead our 14 nothing lead was secure five minutes into the game. You know what you, you know what happened to you? You had a version of what's known, a psychiatric condition 
called Jerusalem syndrome. When some people go to Jerusalem and they, they freak out and they believe either that they're the Messiah or that the Messiah has come and they, they literally like walk around in, in like bedsheets, sort yeah. of like in biblical costumes. It's, this apparently is a real thing. I think, Dino, you, uh, I think this is part of your diagnosis. It, it's, it might be something a little you know, beyond what, what Uncle Ted is experiencing. And, 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 it's and not just me. normal um, ejaculation syndrome. No, no, I think you have, um, yeah, no. Um, I mean, in the literature, there's a lot of talk, and Jer and I have definitely, if you look at our files, it's all over of this kind of manic episode you know but 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 dino right he goes to the messianic messianic (laughs) and it's a different it's a different animal it is it's a a, different animal and and it's a false messiah well and he's followed down that path i have to say this year has been particularly bad because i think we are now the first team to have a 10 a 10 point lead in every single game double digit lead six games in a row Six games in a row um, that the Lions have had double-digit leads, the first team ever, and to lose all of those games. So it's almost as if they want this from me. Well, so this sort of um, brings up what I was interested in talking about, if I may. Go ahead. We've now, what the Lions are getting pressed for now, and what I think is truly the most interesting thing about the team right now, is this record they're setting. Six games in a row, blowing a double-digit lead, which in football, given the nature of football and the average score, is a fairly remarkable thing. Like, we're witnessing something new and kind of astonishing that's pretty interesting. Like, to just think about what's happening... which, which my, under my broader point was sort of, is there, can there be like an artistry to losing? And if so, is that what we're seeing? Because the Lions have, it seems to me, found ways to lose in not just every conceivable way, that's a cliche, but in ways that are truly um, like astonishing sometimes. They catch you by surprise. It's never really the same thing twice. You know, it's like there's an artistry to it, like this constant sense of innovation and what we're seeing now i don't think anyone saw this coming even after all the losing over the last you know many decades this now this this weird streak of blowing leads of that size six games in a row um i i think it's it's actually an accomplishment it's actually an accomplishment that i'm um i sort of admire in really perverse way well jer when when you and I were busy trying to find Dino, we were talking yesterday about, I was trying to come up with a quotient to right. figure out, because you said last week that them winning was the most Lions thing they could have done. Right. And I, I feel like this season is the most Lions-Lions season because every game is its own it's kind of like the white album of lion seasons by which i mean you put on the white album and a song comes on and you're like that is fantastic and right. then the next song is just as good and it's in a radically different musical idiom right. and the whole album just goes like that and the lions are four games in 
Every game has been its own kind of classic Lions masterpiece. Right. Of the like losing a game that it seems like you cannot lose, then just getting your ass handed to you, then winning a game nobody thought you were going to win, and then going at home and playing five minutes of brilliant football followed by two and a half of just you're out of the stadium. Right. And then, yeah. and then of course, like on paper, making it look competitive because you only win by six, lose by six. It's like right. every game is a Lions classic. And, and the real, the only question is where is this incredible trajectory headed next? That's yes. what I want to know. And I think there's also um, a way to appreciate what's happening now, even from kind of a more data-driven sort of granular view of just if we look at the math of it, which I'm not about to present because I, <laughs> I don't have that capability. But you know what I mean? The odds of this happening right. are, I'm, I assume, like pretty, pretty slim, which, I, you know, whatever that means, like highly unlikely. No one's ever done it before. The Lions well, are achieving it, and it almost, to, to go up by that many points in a football game, given the nature of how it works, here's what I think is happening, which is, I think, which is interesting too. And it speaks, I think, to the coaching. The Lions regularly now, the game begins. The Lions come out, storm down the field, score in a way that seems pretty easy. Like, wow, they're, they're moving the ball, looking good. Other team comes out, a little jittery maybe, a turnover, they punt, Lions get it back. Once again, move the ball, storm down the field. Now, after two cycles of this, is when it falls apart, right? Like against New Orleans. From that point on, it was 35 nothing New Orleans until like garbage time. You mentioned, right? you mentioned our interception? Yeah. No. Uh, no. The, but, the interception that the Lions got or the yeah, interception so, that's – Yeah, yeah, yeah. The way we scored was um, we, we, you know, mounted a drive, our first offensive possession. We got the ball, marched right down the field, a perfect – Stafford pass for a touchdown and then on New Orleans first play from scrimmage we intercept it uh-huh. and then on a deflected pass. touchdown within seconds okay I see all yeah, right so it was a so deflected it was the breeze's pass was hit at the line of scrimmage okay yep, and the line so, so, up with it so 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 my point I guess is that um just like statistically the odds of this playing out game after game, just given like if you crunched all the numbers of the average, you know, and, 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 and on a, a more, um, I don't know, like narrative or even moral level, um, it's one thing if what was happening is, well, the Lions are getting outscored. You know, like, yes, we all know the defense is pretty weak, but our offense has some juice. You know, they show it in these games. It would be one thing if it was just like, yeah, we're there with them, like these really high-scoring games and we put up a lot of points and everything. But it's not that, right? It's like also the offense has a sickness of its own yeah. that it, it seems almost triggered by going up two touchdowns and then everything goes to shit. We know the defense is going to be bad. But then also the, it's like the other team after two drives are like, okay, here's what they're doing. Let's take that away and see what they do. And, yeah. and the Lions do nothing. There's no response to that, I'm assuming. And then well, so that's it. It's over. The, un- the, the uninteresting take, which I think is the accurate one, is that this obviously 
goes back to the coaching that like yes. the one team makes an adjustment and the Lions right. have nothing left in their bag of tricks. Like that's it. That's all. I, I did some number crunching. Okay. Here you go. Lions through four games first quarter this season are plus 14. Right. Hey, that's pretty good. That's good. We'll take it. <laughs> Second hey, quarter. Wait a so far, things are sounding really good. <laughs> Second quarter, <laughs> the Lions are minus 20. Yes. Okay, not too bad. Third minus quarter, 20? Third quarter, they're minus 14. Ooh, okay. Fourth quarter, they're minus 8. Oh. So, I kind of thought it would be worse fourth quarter. Well, because the Lions have had the Lions had against New Orleans and the Cardinals. Yeah. They shut out those two teams in the fourth quarter and scored themselves. Right. Most of that is the, is the 0 to 21 fourth quarter against the Bears, mm-hmm. which is one of their two 0 to 21 quarters this season. <laughs> the other being yesterday in the second quarter against the Cards. They also have a 0 and 17 quarter. Uh-huh. Against the Green Bay, I believe. Um, so, or a zero and fourteen, but yeah. um, and a zero and seventeen in that same game. So the Lions in the last three quarters of the game are minus forty-two. That's over four games. Right, they're minus forty-two, and over the second and third quarters, they're minus thirty-four. That's bad. They're bad in those quarters they cannot and 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 what is and i think i think you're right and and that was the point i was driving at that's it's got to be coaching on some fundamental level right like that isn't that how it works the 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 team's marching down a smart other team and i don't even think new orleans is supposed to be like a good defense or anything maybe they're okay maybe but maybe they're even supposed to be pretty good okay but like they're not the best defense in the league in any case we don't we don't whoa What's that? Hold on. Sorry. Um, uh, I forgot what I was saying now. But that they, uh, Saints, oh yeah, that that like that like the Saints make defense. an adjustment. They don't have a great defense, but they make some kind of adjustment, right? Like you're saying, Ted. And yeah. then they're like, okay, well, let's see. And the Lions are like, uh oh, we just have to keep trying to do that. It's the only thing we can do. But that doesn't seem quite right. Like the offense has weapons, doesn't it? They can score. Yes. It's just. Well, can I go back to there's in terms of what you guys are saying, the, the thing about this season, if it's distinguished itself in any way, and, and this is, I don't think new to this season, but is we're seeing a lot of just getting quick leads and then not only giving them up, but then oftentimes even getting obliterated after that. And I think, if I remember the um, the first game of the season, which was against the Bears, we got up pretty big in that game, right? We were up. What, does anyone remember what our lead was in the which game? In the Bears against the Bears, the first. Yeah, game. it was. Um, hold on, I can tell you because I have all the the great. So the Lions were uh, up thirteen six. They were up. Uh, hold on. They were up 23-6. Yeah, they were up 23-6 entering the fourth quarter. Okay, so I remember watching that game, and when we got up 23-6, which 
that's a pretty that's a big lead against the Bears who don't have a very good offense. And there was a moment where I was feeling obviously pretty good about it, like an idiot. And they cut to on the on the broadcast, they cut to the Bears sideline and they showed Khalil Mack, their all pro defensive lineman, um, rallying the whole defense around him at like at the bench on the Bears sideline and giving like a big pep talk and the broadcasters were like, and the, here's Mac telling his team, like, we're still in this. We may be down 23 to six, but we got to like, we got to shut them down. And I was like, you know, I don't know if that's going to work, but that's pretty awesome that he's doing that, that like there's a player on that team who's just taking ownership of the defense. And I'm like, I know Khalil Mack's good, but like we're kicking his ass right now. Like what is that real? And then they proceed to shut us out for the rest of the game and kick our ass. And I, it just occurred to me right there. What do you think Khalil Mack was saying to his defense in that huddle? Like what was the content of his pep talk? It was, I, Hey guys, if there was a team that was beating us by a lot and there was maybe enough time to make a comeback, who would you want that team to be that we were playing? And they're like the Detroit lions. And he's like, we're playing the Detroit lions. And they're like, Oh, we're going to win. That was what it was. It wasn't a pep talk. It was a riddle. I like Todd, <laughs> Ted, that almost sounded like a, like a Chinese fable. <laughs> it was, but it was the, I think that there's a little more emotion because it's like the first game of the season. And also if you look at like the saints, I think they had the same thing where it was just like, guys, Come on, what the hell are you guys doing? This is the Lions out there. We're better than this. It's like almost just one of those, like, what are we doing? Like, what? Except, we except. know we're better than this. And then they just go out and do it. And it's, it's like almost as if it's just, like, we know we're a better team. All we have to do is remember we're playing the Lions. That remember the emperor has no clothes and we are going to go dominate. And that's exactly what teams seem to do. And they sort of discover their own mojo. Like the lions are the perfect team you know what? to play. Yes. You are having self-doubt. And, and here, and here's what I think went, went down. This is a little speculative, but I wouldn't be surprised at all. It's a, lar- a, a bit larger part of the narrative. Drew Brees so far has not gotten off to a great start. And there's a lot of rumbling out there about maybe Breeze, you know, maybe that's it for him. He doesn't seem to have the arm strength, a little bit of a noodle arm, you know, and he's not a a huge guy. Small dude. You know, but he's been like incredible. He's Hall of Famer for sure. Anyway, there's been like some rumblings about that. You know, Drew Breeze is a good man. I'm sure it's got to bother him. And they come to play the Lions. The team, again, they're, they're the Saints, a little shaky throw the interception, suddenly they're down two touchdowns. I bet Drew Brees, he's a leader. I like that guy. Drew Brees gathered the offense around him. Mm-hmm. And he said, hey, come on, you guys. Look who we're playing. Look over there at the other side. And, and they all looked. And, they all, and there was sort of a, a collective gasp of recognition. <sighs> That's right. You guys are playing the Lions, man. Come on. Their defense is ranked 30th in the league. Let's run up the score. Yeah. And that's exactly what they did. They came out and suddenly Breeze looked like the Breeze of younger days. 
slicing well, up the defense also, and scoring five touchdowns in a row. The Lions' motto is, we heal what ails you as long as you're an opposing NFL team, right? I mean, the only reason Trubisky lasted as long as he lasted is because he played the Lions three times over the course of like eight games over two seasons. It's the only reason. I think it's also the thing of like, sometimes when you're watching a sporting event and it gets to this point where like, this game is basically over for it not to be over two things have to happen simultaneously. The losing team has to start playing amazing and the winning team has to totally just belly flop. And I think what happens, this is just another way to say what you guys are are trying to express is that they, the opposing opposing team looks over and is like, if we do our part, they will do their part. Right. Cause that's the thing. Like if you're, if you're way down and you start playing amazing, but the other team kind of keeps playing well, yeah. You're, you're not going to catch them because yeah. they have to do shitty for you to catch them. But the Lions can be relied on, especially if the other team starts kind of breathing down their neck, of getting such tight sphincter and so, just totally blowing it. So before we came on the Zoom, I started to, to think about and kind of make a list of sort of the different eras of Lions losing. They've lost more than they've won by a pretty wide margin. And so this is a franchise that has been dominated by uh, losses, not victories. And I'm just thinking back to like, you know, when we were kids growing up, those kind of 1970s, like mid-70s teams, Gary Danielson, uh, outside of the brief highlight of Billy Sims, which was all too short. Outside of that, ah, shit. Outside of that, those teams lost a lot. And as I recall, they were just bad. They just were low on talent, just weren't a good team. And it was, you know, just recognized as like a cellar dweller. You know what I mean? It's like 1970s NFL shittiness. Just like they just didn't have what it took. Okay. So that was one way of losing. That was one era of losing. Then, um, the 1990s, you get into the, the 90s, and this is actually a relative golden age, right? Like, they make the playoffs a bunch of times. This is Barry, Barry Sanders at his peak. Um, and they get one playoff win kind of early on in the decade, which might have seemed to augur well going forward into the decade. And yet it, it really didn't. The, the team had talent, for sure. They had a powerful offense for, you know, a bunch of years and they were kind of a playoff team. Like it wasn't a shock to see the lions get in the playoffs. Imagine such a thing. What, what um, decade are you talking about? The eight, the nineties, the nineties, yeah. you know, like kind of throughout, they didn't make the playoffs every year, but they made them more often than not. Now they and they won once early on, and then they lost nine times in a row going That's on current, current playoff streak. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. And now, and so I'm just saying, ultimately, they didn't, you know, win, but that was their most productive era by far. We got, uh, okay. But then there, then there's the era of losing, it seems like in the, like in 2000, epitomized by 2014, first round playoffs against Dallas. This was Donkey Kong at his height. 
getting jobbed by the ref on that non-call on the pass interference or whatever it was. That so, was you know a, what I mean? Yeah, that was uh, Pettigrew. Yeah. I'm just saying that, like, that was a devastating loss because the team actually was, like, they had a really good defense and, and they just got jobbed. And it was like, ah, shit, that's a new way of losing. That's, you know, sticking the knife in. Then there was that era, if you guys will recall, of the Lions, like earlier on in Stafford's career, of the defense being so bad, a little like now, but, but the defense being so bad, they'd get buried by like four touchdowns at the midway through the second quarter, you know? They'd just go down big. And then they would turn it on and furiously come back and still mostly lose but every, just every now and again, pull off like a miracle comeback. Remember that? Like there was, well, that's the Pat, that's the Pat Statford origin story is that this guy week after week is down 21 to three. Right. And they're just have stopped running the ball because they're not getting any yardage on the ground anyway. And he's going like 28 of 46 for 370 yards, three touchdowns, two interceptions. And it's just, Right. It's just chaos. Like his arm is his arm is like falling off of his body by the end of the game. Well, I think you, you get actually um possible low kind of yeah. skipped one of the, the eras signature in in somewhat forgotten playoff losses, which is oh, okay. the 2011 team, because that's Stafford's second or third third year playing. And he's a young QB. We've got a young Donkey Kong Sue, Calvin Johnson, um, totally in his prime. Like, all these guys are young. And we go 10 and 6, play a 13 and 3 Saints team in the first round. And we're on the road, of course, in the um, Superdome, the hardest, one of the hardest places to play. And yet, we take a 7-0 lead right in the first quarter. We we I think score on our first first possession. Um we go ahead 14-7 in the second quarter. We go into halftime leading 14 to 10. Um we head uh the third quarter is kind of back and forth. We fall behind, but we um head into the fourth quarter only down 21 to 24 by a field goal. And it's a tight game. And I don't know if I remember this game, not every single play, but the emotionality of it well, because this was the game where it's like, yeah, our offense is, we're hanging in there. Like, we'll, we're still scoring. We head into the fourth quarter down by three, and we lose 45 to 28. Right. They score 20 points in the 21. fourth quarter. And it was just yeah. relentless. It was. Yeah. So brutal. It was just, it was the same feeling I had this week where it was like, please make it stop. Please, will will someone stop this? And we'll call the game. Just call the game. The so, answer is no. Like a, like a TKO. Stopped. So, so interestingly, this game brings to mind a kind of a, a joke question I was going to ask you guys, which is what is the easiest job in the NFL and the answer is, yeah. whoever is punting for the team the Lions are playing against that week. Right. Because in these yeah. last two games against the Cards and the Saints, the opponent did not punt until the fourth quarter. 
And in the game Dino is just describing, the, the New Orleans did not punt in that game at all, wow. once, and, and gained a NFL playoff record 626 yards. Wow. And, and that was yeah, – and the game right. yesterday, look, the reason the Lions are 1-3 and, and not 0-4 and is because they turned over the cards three times. But yeah. if you can't get the team to punt, like if they're going to score unless you cause a turnover, that is not a recipe for success because you're no. not going to be able to do that. They can't get the team off the field. No. I, I just want to stipulate, though, uh, that if you're a punter – I would submit that you actually want to play a team that gives you some punt chances. That's what you do. Because if you play a team like the Lions, you're not getting out there. You might as well not have even come to the game. You know? It would be interesting to see. You don't get to, to do look your at thing. the stats of those punters the following week and see if they have subpar games because they're rusty. That's right. They got used to loafing on the sidelines. I remember. You know, they need to get. They need game experience. I, I remember hearing this throughout, you know, just that amongst it, when Lions players would come or players would come to the Lions, especially defensive players, there was this thing, especially like, you know, in the last decade or, or so, I think it was in the, the Domicon Sioux era where it was like, hey, the Lions defense plays like a bunch of P words. They're a bunch of female genitalia. That's just what they are. And that that was, and that we like, there was a sense that that had to change. But, um, you know, I don't prefer to use that word, but I think we, given what it means in the context of an NFL defense, I think that's, that's definitely true. And that's definitely how the game ran on yesterday, where it was like, um the saints just decided hey why don't when we get the ball if we're not like they actually were not like even though breeze ended up having a bunch of yards that wasn't how they turned the game around it wasn't like oh we're down 14 we better start airing it out it was actually hey we're playing the lions why don't we just run it straight forward because they won't be able to tackle us And that was kind of seemed to be the gist of their game plan. Like, let's just run it right down their throat. Well, they have Kamara. That, you know, even though I think the statistics are a little skewed because in the fourth, once they started just burning clock a little bit, we were able to stop the run a little, a few times. But during their actual comeback and then, what was it, you know, five touchdowns in a row, they ran, I, I don't, I have rarely seen a team just run at will without much misdirection or anything, just straight, you know, runs right to the run, to the right, to the left, anywhere you want, you can just run it straight through our, our defensive line, straight through our linebackers. No problem. I just, I want to claim a little bit of glory based on what Dino just said. Uh, can I uh, set this up for you? Yeah, go ahead. Cause I want to give you the honor. Okay. Go ahead. You fucking nailed this game. Yes. Go, okay, go ahead. I just want if, to give yes, you praise. If you listen to what I said on the, on, at the last episode when we were talking the predictions, I, I, I based my prediction on some reasoning, which I will quickly recount. It was that uh, 
our defense is bad, and they have Alvin Kamara, who's one of the most dynamic players in the game. That guy is just going to run all over us. And that's pretty much exactly what happened. I didn't predict that it would be the same weird pattern of the Lions going up big and then getting slammed. But indeed, that is the pattern, which to me adds a a whole other layer of mystique over what we all know is losing. Yeah, You called it 35-27. If the Lions don't complete that two-point conversion, which they barely did, and who in the world knows why they even ran that? Yeah. Because they would have just been down a touchdown if the regular extra point, you would have gotten it exactly right. I, I nailed this one. I really did. I was tapped into it, you know? I, so I, I said the Lions were going to win 40-38 to 38 and then said, I actually think they're going to lose. Whereas Dino right. went 27-24 Lions. Yes. Yeah, that's what I said, 27-24. Yeah, I, I revised it be, when I was watching it with little Dino. He said, he asked me for my prediction, and I said, do you want my Dino prediction or do you want my real prediction? So my Dino prediction was, you know, like, 27 24 but my real in reality i i called it 31 28 um saints and that was you know we were all that was you know around the same uh general general vicinity um but by the way another exciting thing about this game is it was a true scoregami um which means it's the first time in nfl history that the final score of a game has been 35 29 Really? Seriously? Yeah, really? It's the first time. 29 is a fairly odd number to... Um, and, wait, and what was the weird thing that made it 29 as opposed to a more The two-point conversion. two-point conversion. Mm, weird. And so the first time ever, a 35-29 NFL game, there's a, there's a website called Scorigami, and it keeps track of <laughs> what scores still haven't been achieved. Oh, that's, that's interesting. Awesome. So this yeah. was just added so, to the list. Yeah, it's the Lions. So, 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 so this is yet more evidence, I believe, (laughs) that's making my belief stronger that, in fact, there's an artistry to what's happening here, that there's some intelligence behind this. It's not just the random, like, throw the dice. No, there's, this is, um, uh, they're doing things that have never been done, like on a regular basis. Every week, it's something new. I think we're witnessing, uh, like, groundbreaking performance art. I totally agree. It, it definitely adds to the belief that we're living in a simulation and this is some weird yeah. God that is oddly preoccupied with the lions. Like I'm just going to make this team that sucks in weird, unpredictable ways. And like, that's like number four on my to-do list. Like after like maintaining the like meteorological system, he's like, what am I going to have happen in the lions game this week? Right, because there's some teams like the Jets. He's just like they're going to be historically bad all the time. It's like an automated. He just presses play, and that's just gone. Right, like that's just the algorithm set. And this one's like, what? What can I do that's never been done before? Right, you know what it is that this. No, go ahead. In the like history of theology, there's been many arguments for the existence of god one of them is the teleological argument that kind of um says like if the world is so intricate certainly there must be just like a watch is intricate certainly there must be a designer right behind it um how could you know how could 
the world function, the eye, if you look at the human eye and all of its intricacies and it just works so perfectly, how could that happen if there's no designer? And leaving the merits of that argument aside, um, I think we can apply the same logic to the lions, but to prove not the existence of God, but of the devil, that only Satan himself could be behind such intricate ways of losing. There's not just randomness uh, and chaos could achieve this. It has to be the work of some profound evil force. Or, or, would, her, or herself, though. I would, her. go, I would go further and say that that devil, devil is yeah. partnering with a malicious 11-year-old who has, like, a weird case of Asperger's. Like, there's something kind of, like, nerdy and systematic about it that just, that like, nobody would enjoy this. Well, I, except I, somebody with these kind of weird, it's almost an OCD. I almost, I almost feel like it's, it's a combination of things that <clears throat> sort of the master programmer in whose simulation we're all existing that he has, um, and we can witness this when we look at the landscape of the NFL generally, especially over the decades, as we've talked about before, the way the league is structured, a kind of parody, and that's by design. And obviously that's coded into the system by the master programmer who controls our lives. And, but the, 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 I think one explanation for the Lions is that this guy is not just kind of a rote programmer. Like, yeah, he has a day job at, you know, like the big corporation of whatever universe he inhabits. Uh, but he's also has a creative side. And part of it, he has like a, a space for experimental code, kind of an AI thing where uh, machines can develop certain levels of, of kind of primitive consciousness. And so but the logical systems are built differently. It's an experiment. And so it, it results in weird, bizarre outcomes that just often don't make any sense or don't seem to fit any pattern. And uh, in that way, often astonish us because our, our minds aren't programmed to, to kind of understand what's happening. And that's why there's really something to this losing. It's really interesting. It's, it's almost is- a thing of beauty. It's this God's side hustle. Yeah, right. This is his. So let me, so guys, one thing we haven't addressed yet, I was going to ask you for your prediction for next week. So I was, because Jerry, you've got your finger on the pulse of this team. And Dino, you probably still have some of that messianic afterglow clarity that might give you some insight. But I realized, lo and behold, next week, it's bye week. Yes, bye week. Bye week. Which is also known as the Holy of Holies. Yeah. It's what when we it's 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 the one week of the year when we utter the secret name of the lions. What are which you guys we're not gonna, gonna say right now? Well, oh. so Dino, you're gonna be in a round the clock recovery meeting. But during yeah, the fifteen think, minute break they give you on Tuesday afternoon, what are you gonna do with the I mean, bye when week? I'm out with the in the yard with the guys, I think this is a week and that is a true crossroads. It's the bye week. The Lions are one and three, correct? We didn't win that last game, right? No, and we and it turns out we didn't win against Chicago either. Okay. I'm just confirming. Week. My memory's a little shaky still. But given that we are one and three, there is no 
and and the memory of this recent loss is still fresh enough and and the harsh blow of of me just jumping off the wagon not just falling off the wagon but leaping head first off the wagon into just a pile of broken glass and bricks actually j- just so you know when you you even insisted that we like tie a rope to your foot and then hitch the other one to the wagon so you could be dragged along behind it for a while just like on a bumpy dirt road with rocks and everything so it just like tore you to shit and then finally the rope broke and you like tumbled off down into a ravine yeah that sounds about right it was bad yeah it it was bad um so i think this this um you know bye week is just gonna be about me realizing and reckoning with the fact there's no reason to fall off the wagon again and jump on to the silver and Honolulu blue wagon because that wagon is broken and that wagon, the only question about that wagon is when they're going to cut off the fat, the fat wheel known as, um, known as Matt Patricia. Well, so yes, correct. Question, why is he still the coach? He has overseen not just, uh, uh, not just a lot of losing from a team that he inherited under Caldwell that had been at least okay sometimes. Respectable. Made the playoffs. Yeah, respectable and seemed to kind of maximize their talents. And they, you know, they did some stuff. And now Patricia, um, things have obviously been much, much worse in terms of just raw win-loss. And he, he seems like a defensive kind of the dick of a guy a little bit, just based on his public comments. Like, I don't know, maybe he's a nice person, but... You know what I mean? Like he kind of threw Caldwell under the bus after the loss today, saying like, "Well, I inherited a, a really fucked up team," is basically what he said, and we have a lot of problems. Like, yeah, they, they were doing pretty well before you came along. You know, he just yeah. has an excuse. It seems rather than I don't know. Where is the evidence that Where is the evidence that he should still be there? There is no evidence that he should be there. No, no there's none. The only sort of hold back I think is a it's the Lions and the Ford family and so they have no idea what they're doing but also the real there's no way here to fire Patricia without without also firing Quinn the general manager who is assembled this absolutely terrible defensive roster I mean our defensive line, I was trying to just name any of these guys. Like, who are these guys? There's just no one of any standing. Yeah. And this is a team that has had high draft picks every year, and yet we we don't have a quality linebacker that we've drafted. We don't have a quality uh, defensive tackle. We don't. We just have, we don't have, we have never been able to draft one since the Domagansu and that, yeah. that era. This yeah. uh, Quinn has just not, Jared Davis, his first pick, first first round pick is basically no longer playing. I mean, he's still on the team, but he's riding pine. He was, and he was first round pick at linebacker. And that was just a total mm-hmm. whiff. Um, he did get 
Galladay in the third round, which is looking better and better. Galladay did have a really nice game. But yeah. you look at last year or two years ago, Frank Ragnow, I mean, just a a very, I, I believe, average center, you know, Kerryon yeah. Johnson and the second round, who's pretty much done, it looks like. He's injured mm-hmm. again, and I think they've pretty much given up on him. Um, Tracy Walker, I think, is no longer on the team. Deshaun Hand is on the team, but, yeah. you know, he's a backup at best. Um is a cool and man. it goes on and on. I mean, TJ Hawkinson, <laughs> TJ Hawkinson is a serviceable. He looks like a good tight end, but how big of an impact can a tight end really have? I mean, that's I think a question that is certainly relevant right now. Where you're like, yeah, he's he seems pretty good, but when we need a tap, I mean, we just need to someone who can tackle. Listen, to we be fair, have. to be fair to tight ends, I like that position for some reason. There's a history of pretty awesome tight ends, you know, who can make no, a, a huge really impact. Good tight end that you yeah. design a lot of the system around can like that dude on the Chiefs makes a big difference. There's been some exactly. No, 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 I'm saying there's a proud tradition of that going all the way back to one of my favorite guys, Mark Bavaro. Remember that dude in the oh, Giants? Yeah. I just remember there. Were, I had like a, a a card of him or something, or some image of him um, bench pressing, and he was so strong. They had to put like extra shit on it, like they ran out of weights, or, like manholes or something. He was really good. He was. So, I remember you- also he used to like do that exercise where you put a weight on a band on your forehead and then you lift your neck, and so he had a really jacked up neck. Yeah. Oh, he was. He had to be <laughs> roiding in some way or another. He was he good. Was a massive roider. So and- Dino. Uh, yeah. In anticipation of some of the work you're going to have to be doing over the next little while, I want you to explain to me how you're going to deal with the fact that out of our next five opponents, four of them have really bad records. So in the middle of that is the Colts, who are a legitimate team. Right. And then other than that, Jaguars, Falcons, Vikings, Washington football team. Yikes. Washington football team. Um, How are you dealing with that? Because the Lions easily could go four and one over their next five games. Oh, tut tut. Well, tut, should tut. I first? Can I first say that I think we should begin referring to this team as the Detroit football team? <laughs> I just think it's an insult to Lions. Um, it's true. The majestical beast. Yeah. Um. So. Yeah. Um, refer to them as the Detroit football team. Well, can I take that one further? I actually have a shirt that maybe five, six, seven years ago when I was visiting Detroit, maybe they weren't awful then. I don't remember, but I went to Dunham's and I was like, I want to, Danny, I feel like there was a time maybe you and I actually went to a Myers to look for some lion's gear for me. Maybe I was, I bought it there, but I bought a shirt that for some reason that I've never understood. It's a long sleeve t-shirt that says Detroit Lions Football Club, <laughs> which nice. always is like, is it, it's, they're not, it's not a team. It's a club sport, <laughs> right. which explains a great deal <laughs> of that. It's like everyone else, it's like scholarship athletes. And this is just, you know, it's just like something a guys do to pass the time. It's, it's really anyone can play, you know, anyone can join. You get your parents to sign the release form. And yeah. you can suit up. It's a club. It's the it's Lions club football club. So it's the Detroit Lions foot. It's the Detroit football club. 
Yeah, I, I suppose that <laughs> I suppose it is. Um, yeah, not the Lions, that's for sure. I think that um, God help us. I mean, us here in the podcast, if they go indeed go four and one, I don't think they will. I think this is. Um, I, I think no. you know we'll go two and two or one and three against this garbage of a you know garbage schedule because. Why do you why do you get a garbage schedule? Because you yourself are garbage. You belong. You're finally playing the teams that you're that you should be playing. And um, right, they are playing a fourth place schedule. Yeah, yeah. and and so yeah, yeah. that's that's part of it, and that's why that's kind of how the NFL is built. That's why it's so hard to go zero and sixteen because if you, unless you know for some reason you were like sixteen and zero the previous year, and then you like lost all of your best players. But if you're bad one year and then you play an easier schedule because you're bad, like it's hard to, it's hard to keep losing when you're playing other really bad teams. But I, I think, you know, the fact that we're one in three now, if we're, if we manage to get to, um, I don't think there's any, do you think there's any chance we pull even this season? What are the it's odds? Not, not, it's not looking good. Well, but, but gentlemen, all I got to say is their next two games are Jaguars and Falcons. Yeah, Those but are come two on, of their easiest games. I, I don't think they're going to win. They're actually both road games, so I a little listen, bit take that I back. submit that the Lions' defense is looking historically bad. I don't have the data to back that up, <laughs> but you know what I mean? They suck. A, you get the stink of it, though. It's a very particular stink. It's, teams it's the are... Teams are running it right up their ass. They, they are getting, you know, just beat up. I think I said this in the last podcast, too. There's nothing quite like having your team at home in your own, you know, gridiron getting run on like that. Just the other team pushing you around because that's what getting run on is, right? Literally pushed around by a bigger, nastier, more physical team. By the Saints, by the way, who have not been great. You know, they were not, their fans were really worried about them. The best antidote is the Lions. And my point larger is that, yeah, we're playing some shitty teams like Jacksonville. I don't know. This, their quarterback is capable of playing pretty well. He's going to fucking feast on our defense. He's, he's looking forward to it. I guarantee it. His guys are like, hey, man, just hang in there. We circled it on the schedule. The Lions are coming up. That's your money game right there. You get your so here's, here's another question for those of for the two of you who have interesting Lion Insight 2020 vision. There's a slight chance that COVID's about to run ram. What's the phrase? Ramshad? Over, <laughs> what's that term? Ramshad? Ramshad? Over the NFL. How, does, how do the Lions figure into that? Mm. Like, if it does totally get... Well, Ted, Uncle Ted, one possibility is that against all odds, our fantastical scenario might come true. What if the last team standing? Yeah, but somehow the one power the Lions have is they're somehow pretty naturally immune to COVID. Who knew that that would be the thing that would propel them to the heights? They're one of uh, four teams left. Hey. That's possible. It's possible that uh let's you know let's see what happens Ford field is a bubble it could be interesting yeah. if it all yeah. hits 
during our bye week, I assume there's not many other teams on a bye, we could have somehow avoid the whole thing. Maybe right. everyone else is cross infecting. With yeah, the and maybe right. this is our. <laughs> right. Maybe if the Detroit football team just goes into a bunker, uh, their own little bubble bunker right now, that would be their best chance. Wouldn't Except it be great if leaving. Patricia's only great ability was like he was like a crazy, crazy like Howard Hughes level germ freak, and the whole team is so sterile and so kept away that as it just decimates every other franchise, the exactly. Lions are just a model of health. The thing is, he look at the man. Yeah, he, I don't need to is, get, That's not him, man. I don't want to no. get personal, uh-uh. but come on. By the looks of him, I don't think he's any sort yeah. of model of, of cleanliness or health. It, yeah. it, and you know what? To be fair, it's not just being fat. You know, there are fat people who are tidy or whatever. I'm just saying the whole appearance of him. <laughs> I would agree. He has, everything. he has food in that beard from when he was still employed by the Patriots. <laughs> yeah, you know the difference, though, is every Lions coach leaves a failure um, what's kind of cool is that Caldwell, even though he kind of did leave a failure, like at the time it felt like, yeah, like there weren't a lot of people complaining about him being fired when he was fired because like finishing nine and seven, if you actually look at the way some of those seasons went, like the season, even he went seven and nine, they had, they had fallen to like one and eight and then they, they went like seven and one their last games right. just to make it seven and nine. Like those weren't all. There was some ugliness during the Caldwell era, era too, but sure. for the Lions, it was pretty spectacular. So he's maybe the one of the few coaches who hasn't left like with that just completely after look. You know, you go back to like before and the before and after pictures, and it's just you know dating back to Monty Clark, Steve Mariucci, Marinelli, yeah. um, so many coaches who kind of got their first shot or their first big shot coaching uh, NFL with the Detroit football team and then just left in disgrace, like everyone hating them and feeling like a failure and looking like a failure. The only difference is that in this case, Patricia, he came to the Lions already a sort of disheveled, messy guy. But there was, if you recall, it's hard to remember this at this point, when he was first hired and there were rumors like we're getting Matt Patricia. It was a big deal. He, he was the cool long haired dude, like right on the new England defensive side who had the big bushy beard, but also he used to have the pencil behind his right. ear. It's like, damn, what's he doing? What's he drawing up with that pencil, man? <laughs> he drew up the Malcolm Butler interception. I don't know how he did it, but he just obviously took the pencil out. You know what? Malcolm Butler intercept the pass. We win the Super Bowl. And it's like, we have that guy. He may be fat. He's disheveled, but he's like a crazy wizard who's using the dark arts to, uh, you know, bring his defense to victory. And, 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 and listen, even just, you know, to be fair. Yeah. He was part of the Patriots. They did have a consistently, good defense, especially when it mattered in big games. He was one of the architects of it, learning at the feet of, of Bill Belichick. Now, of course, there is a history of this not working. Yeah. 
of former, but still, I understand the lure of it. This guy becomes available, and it's like, okay, he's younger. He may be, you know, defensive specialist. That's really the side of the ball where we really need to focus. You know, Matty Staff has got the offense. You know, if he has the guy who's going to score, we, if we could just get back to that good defense, I kind of get it. And I do remember when he was hired, it was like, yeah, okay, cool. Like, this guy kind of has a persona, and there's kind of a cool story, like the pencil, like the magical pencil. And now, boy, things really turn. It doesn't take long, does it? Just after uh, – it's, and it's one thing to lose, but the way the team has been losing, giving up these leads – that cannot help but reflect directly back on the coaching, right? And I feel like this is unique. Stat. I believe that currently, if he were to get fired this week, Patricia would would retire as the Lions coach with the worst winning percentage. Wow! No, really? I think that is I an think accomplishment. That's possible. <laughs> that is an accomplishment. Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah, so I, I I think, like, you could almost excuse the Fords for bringing in the Quinn and then Patricia team by saying, yeah. like, hey, let's bring in two guys who worked for under Bill Belichick for the Patriots. You could sort of excuse them for doing that because it seems like a smart thing to do. The only... You could excuse them, except for the fact that it had already been tried like 10 times in the past 20 years, and it's never worked for any other team that's tried to follow the model of what Belichick has done, because it's very clear there's only one of him, and he's the only one who can win following his particular style. You have to win. You have to develop your own identity and your own way of winning. You can't just replicate another organization, especially when it comes from the mind of such a brilliant coach who also had an amazing quarterback for almost 20 years. You're just, you're never going to replicate that. And that's, and that's why you see, you know, other teams doing things their own way. You look at Pittsburgh, they've always had good defense. And yeah, they haven't won a title in a few years, but they're almost always relevant. And you know they're going to rebuild their defense. Same with Baltimore. They're always going to have that good defense. And you look at um, the like, Chiefs what about- now. They, when they brought in Andy Reid, the guy's an offensive just genius. He's going to light it up. He's going to draw amazing plays, and he finally got a great quarterback. And you got to, like, you know, and, and trying to do this, like, hey, let's be the smart guys and try to do exactly what New England's doing. It's, I mean, I think now it just looks so incredibly foolish. And yet at the time, because we're Detroit sports team, I'm not even going to call them football team. I'm just going to call them sports team because I think it's, not only an insult to Lions, but to the sport of football. Um, so, Dino, I hate to say this, but I think you might owe Matt Patricia a little bit of an apology because he is nine twenty-two and one right now. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about our good friend Rod Marinelli, <laughs> who, after three campaigns, finished ten 
and 38. Ooh. And, and he is not in first place because oh. that is our good friend. Would you like to guess? Uh, don't look it up. <laughs> no, I don't know. I don't know. Marty Mornhenwig. Oh, Mornhenwig. Ah, yeah. Who went five and 27. Wow. That guy. Wow. Yeah, see? No, so so okay. Fat Matt is awful. Oh, yeah, you're right. Okay, so yeah, that's. But he's not. Okay, he's not the, the losingest. You know what's yet, sort of interesting about Marinelli? Going for it. Um, what's kind of awesome about Marinelli is that he, um, by the way, Marinelli currently, um, defensive line coach for the Raiders. So shout out to hot rod Marinelli. Glad that he's still alive, but he took over the lions, um, went three and 13 in his first year, which is bad, but you know, like that's just an average bad lion season, right? 188 winning percentage then in 2007 somehow he got he improved all the way to seven and nine so it's like hey okay this guy's got the team heading in the right direction and he follows that up with owen 16 yeah (laughs) Yeah. that was not good it was just uh, again again it feels like it's a pattern of uh of it's like a a chaotic pattern that (laughs) It almost feels evil, like like there's some evil intent to it. Well, and and then it follows up. Jim Schwartz takes over, goes two and fourteen, which is bad and which is abysmal and better at the same time. Right. Then he goes big improvement. He goes six and ten, which is still bad, but it's not hideous. And Dominican Sue has just won Defensive Rookie of the Year. The next year. As we've discussed this season already, 10 and 6 playoff berth. They get demolished by the Saints, but like the trajectory is obvious. They're winning right. four more games a season. So what happens the following year? They go four and twelve. Yeah. I mean, it, it is. It's an evil yeah. algorithm. Right. It's one of those like evil algorithms that you can't figure. You so can't so figure I have a question then. And and this is bringing us stepping back a little bit. You know what? What we're describing again to me fits under this wider rubric of the, the Lions and losing. The sort of fascinating relationship between them. The Lions are, uh, it, it's you know almost a cliche at this point is a losing franchise, right? Even to the point where like late night hosts might make jokes about it, and everyone gets it. You know what I mean? It's sort of baked into the culture at this point. Lions synonymous with losing. Um, is it possible that, as from a, a fan's perspective, that that having to deal with a losing team is more interesting than if if it was a winning team? Depends how we define interesting, but is there something almost inherently not saying uh, better or more fun? Because I remember, you know, like the the mid aughts Pistons teams, that was a lot of fun when the Pistons were good and they won the chip. And then, you know, they had that run of getting to the Eastern Conference Finals. That was cool. And it definitely was, you know, like, if you care about the Pistons, that was a really cool time. And, uh, and now that the Pistons are bad, for that, I'd say, no, it's not interesting. It's not more interesting. It's just like, I just don't care. For the Lions, though, I wonder, is it somehow different? I mean, 
it's interesting enough that we're in, in the middle of season two of this podcast, preceded by many years of, of feverish writings and sendings of emails and texts, a voluminous amount, you know what I mean? We've been obsessing over this for a long time. Well, I would say when you look under the keywords for this podcast, it says Detroit football theology. <laughs> yes. So I, I think you have your answer. I mean, it's, it's, we, we don't, this, we spent like half of this podcast actually talking at all about like football, the way people talk about yeah. football. Like there's a little bit about defense and coaching yeah. adjustments. And then for a while, Dan was talking about kind of the, you know, the, the, the negative space of the divine and the lions actually huddling in that negative space. Perhaps that, serving as evidence of some dualistic, evil, all powerful force that is guiding the universe. I mean, I don't like an anti, I can only speculate, but like a um, spirit of malevolence. Yeah. Right, the, the malevolence responsible for the lions is so pure that whatever is not that is the divine. And so the <laughs> lion's existence actually proves the existence of God. Yeah. They, they yeah. live in the, ne- right, they, they live in the negative space, in the crevasse. <laughs> they do. Be- between, between light, and they don't even inhabit darkness. It's, they're not even part of that system. No, they're a like black outside. hole. They're yes. a black hole of, of, of Theos. I wanted to point Get out tickets. one thing that I think um, Uncle Ted for, uh, you know, correcting me that as bad as Patricia is, you know, things could always get worse. We could go to Marinelli levels who Marinelli actually had there's only one coach in NFL history who has a worse winning percentage than Rod Marinelli. And he is the man who went 0-16. So it's hard to do worse. The only person to do worse, his name was Burt Bell. And he actually owned the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, He was their first owner, inaugural owner. And he was also commissioner of the NFL. And I believe they were too poor to hire a coach. So he coached them himself, the Eagles. And um, he coached them to seasons of 1-11, and 11, then 2-8-1. and one. Then he got them all the way to 5-6, and six, and then went 1-9-1 and one and 1-10. So he finished with the um, Philadelphia with a 10-44-2 record for a 196 winning percentage. And then somehow he got hired to coach the um, Pittsburgh the next year in 1941, went 0-2, and that was it. But he finished his um, coaching career with a 10-46-2 and and uh, record, 190 winning percentage. Wow. So that's... Um, he is, actually, he still, is he available And if we get rid of Patricia? Is that... Is that is he... <laughs> Is he still around? Is yeah. He, apparently he is. He is, is he updating his resume. He is deceased, but apparently he wrote a book, or at least he's cited in a book called Popular Football, 
which was published in 1941, and I believe he wrote a chapter called Offensive Football. He did. So, he had no idea that offensive described one side of the play. Like he thought it was like your play is offensive. I, I take issue with your approach to this sport. Well, that, that, Do you think there's a chance that if the Lions, instead of bringing up Patricia, just actually placed a coffin on the sideline, that somehow the the kind of the solemnness of that would actually make the team play better than well, I, I think to do, to do one you have better, to be a big coffin. I think to do one better, what was this guy's name, Danny, this losing his coach? Um, Burt Bell. I think we, we go to Burt Bell's final resting place, you know, whatever cemetery he's buried in, and we sneak in in the night, and we dig up the grave, and we exhume whatever remains, you know, maybe there are bones or whatever. We exhume the remains, and we bring it. The, 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 we bring it back to Lions headquarters and install that as the coach, and that would be better. That's what I, what that's what I was thinking. That was, that's yeah. what I was thinking. I'd um, like to that would be an upgrade. Other possi- like I, all of these are good suggestions. The other one I'd like to make is Detroiters, we, we talk about our sports team, um, the football one, and, and the curse is largely really synonymous with just ownership by the Ford family. No one ever talks about who owned it before the Fords. Um, so who did Apparently it? it was a guy named Lyle Fife. It was co-owned by Lyle Fife and Edward Anderson. And I'm wondering kind hmm. of where those families are now because they, they were in. winners. We won three hmm. championships under their ownership in only 12 years. So they now own the Patriots and the 49ers, respectively. (laughs) Yeah. So is it possible that the Fife family, wherever they are, could buy the Detroit Lions football club back? Yeah, get them back to their roots. Gentlemen, we're reached the 90-minute mark. I'm going to wrap this up. uh, Because I know Dino also has to get to group in a few minutes. I don't want him to be late. Because then he's going to miss. Then he's going to get his privileges are going to be revoked. It's going to be bad. But uh, I want to know. Well, Dino, we sort of know with you. But what's the plan for the bye week? What are you going to do, dude? I I, hopefully nothing. I think the big hope for Dino is just, you know, get back to basics, just live. But but really, just yeah. Not hopefully, I will not appear on any blotters. And any, you listen, know, just hey man, listen, surveillance video. That's just my take it, Just take it one day at a time, one step at a time, one bye week at a time. That's yeah. my only hope. What yeah. about you, Impossible Lomas? What are you gonna do <sighs> for the bye week? I'm gonna, um, I'm gonna enjoy the bye week. Um, I'm looking forward to it. Um, not even at this point so much because I'm exhausted or I can't take it. In fact, quite the opposite. Uh, I now find what's happening to the Lions absolutely fascinating. <laughs> and it's become more of, of, of like a subject of study. You know, I, I, I sense that there are truths to be learned and gleaned from what's happening before our eyes because, again, we are seeing something that's never been done. I think there are probably lessons here in terms of 
like organizational management and different philosophies of management, coaching, corporate structures, and so on. I think the, the implications are deep to what we're witnessing. Um, I, I'm, kind of, I'm kind of in on it on, 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 uh, because it's so interesting. You know what I mean? For sure. For sure. It's interesting. I am going to, for the bye week, I think I'm going to, the weather's supposed to be nice. Mm. I'm very excited about that to just be outside. Um, that's about all I got. That's yeah. about all I got. That's enough. Um, do you know, I wish you well. Is it a bad sign that I'm currently Googling the family trees of Lyle Fife and Edward Anderson to see if there's any descendants who might be able to afford to buy the lions? No, I think it's actually a good sign that you're, it's, it's what you're working the steps and listen, you can't, don't expect to bite off, you know, eat the whole steak in one chew. You have to bite off small pieces, chew it enough so that you can easily swallow and digest it and so 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 at least now let's put it in a positive spin that you are you're doing you're learning you're educating yourself you're learning about the larger context so that you so we can begin to um put put what's put what's happening this trauma that you've experienced in its proper historical light I would agree with that. So, yeah. All right, gentlemen. Thank you for your time. Yeah. I wish you all the best. Shall we roar? Did we do a three-part roar harmony? Is uh, is there some other way we can sign off? That we have done that one a lot. That would somehow speak to Dino's situation. I just feel like maybe a mournful minor key three-part thing it would have to be right we'd have to do a minor key harmony well give me my note and then you guys can do the rest uh okay um well you i guess you could start just start with your low note okay you ready yeah What happened? Did anyone ever come in? Yeah, I think yeah, yeah. the problem is with Zoom, it sort of by it default cuts it off. Yeah, like uh, cuts to the whoever's loudest. So we had I, I could hear it at the end though. We had something cool going on there. It was, it was like, I think I like uh, I, I think I threw in like it was like a minor seventh or something. Yeah, it was like two volt Tuvin throat singing. A little of. bit. I modulated it down just a bit at the end. <laughs> nice. Yeah. It was. I think it was appropriate, appropriately solemn and mournful. That's yeah, what it had a sort of uh, Gregorian chant type of feel to it. I thought it had the 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 soundtrack of a plague, yes, <laughs> kind of feel to it, of right. disaster. Right. Okay. All right, dudes, stay stay clean. You too, brother. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.